Welcome to another edition of TM3 Impact. Today I have Dr. Ramon Garza III, founder of Dr. Garza Plastics, and I am super excited to have you on TM3 Impact. I Welcome. Am, thank you. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. It's uh, something I've always wanted to try to do is be being on a podcast. I listen to lots of podcasts and this is a So this exciting. is the first one? Yeah, very first oh, one. Yeah. Well, that's going to be the best. Uh, I hope so. The first one is always <laughs> the best one. Okay. So tell me your San Antonio story. How did you come to live in this amazing city? Cliff okay. note version. Cliff note version. So um, I'm from Texas originally, born and raised in Corpus. And uh, I did my training in lots of different places. Um, I moved from actually Ohio to San Antonio. So in my training, it was in Houston. I went to Pennsylvania for my residency. I did a fellowship at Ohio State. Um, excuse me, the Ohio State. The, oh, yeah, yes. I have to say that. You know, I'm yes. obligated as a graduate <laughs> there. So um, I went to the Ohio State uh, University, and as a first job, I, I took a first job here in San Antonio. My parents actually retired and moved to San Antonio, so I had a draw to be in this area. And um, with my training and things, there was a practice that uh, uh, fit uh, my particular training and what I wanted to do in plastic surgery, and it just all kind of lined up and worked out that I was able to to come back and be closer to home. To where your parents are, because they're where here. my parents are here now, yeah. Okay, that's really interesting. So did, were your parents military? Did anything bring them, what brought them to San Antonio? Um, probably my brother. So my brother was living here. He did. He went to UTSA. Okay. And so he left Corpus, came here to UTSA, and he, and he was working here. And when my parents retired, they wanted to be closer to, it's just me and my brother, yeah. uh, Ricardo, uh, and he's living here in San Antonio. So they wanted to be closer to one of us, and yeah. he was the closest. I was living in Pennsylvania, and they weren't going to pick things no. up and move to Pennsylvania. So. Nobody wants to. <laughs> To Pennsylvania, <laughs> and it, I, you know, I had a really nice time there. I met some really nice people, but it is cold, it's cold. and yep. I really had like the seasonal affective disorder. I didn't really believe in that before moving up north, but man, mm, it affected me, and I had a hard time with that. And I was like, man, there's no way I can live up here because yeah. you don't see the sun for like months, and it no. just is tough. That would be really, really tough. Yeah. Okay, so you go, you, 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 you graduate high school. You go to high school in Corpus. Were you yep. in high, yeah, high school? Yeah, in Corpus? Mary Carroll High School. Mm -hmm. Okay, so let's go back. So. I mean, I always, I'm always fascinated by people that become doctors, right? Mm -hmm. I'm always, and I'm sure you get this, you know, so, hey, look at this rash, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Someone, yeah. anytime yeah. that you're a doctor, it's yeah. like, yeah. but I'm fascinated by people that go that route because of, they know what they're getting into. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, the type of education and the stress and how hard it's going to be. Yeah, pain. So the pain, <laughs> right? It's, it's, yeah, the, it's yeah. the pain of the process. So yeah. go back to your youngest memory of like young Ramon. Like yeah. what was he like and was he already thinking about being a doctor? Uh, so... You know, it's funny, my uh, my mom saved this little like Fisher Price doctor set that my grandmother got me. So I always kind of had like, you know, just it was one of those fun things. I'd like to, I was interested in science and, and the body and things. And um, in high school, I did the shadowing experience uh, with a pediatrician and, and I volunteered at Driscoll Children's Hospital. So I, huh. I kind of was like, well, I like science. I'm good at science and math. Let me, you know, really try hard in college and see if I can become a, a physician. Okay. So, and you know, it's interesting because in, uh, in middle school and high school, I never really applied myself. I never really tried that hard. Okay. And when I went to college and I was like, you know what, if, if I want to try to achieve this goal of becoming a physician, I'm going to give it my all. And like, if I fall short, so be it, you know? Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if it was a book that I had read or heard, you know, some motivational speaker or some at some point, but it's like, you know, I don't want to go through life and say, what if, you know, mm. like, I'm just going to give it my all. I'm going to try, I'm going to study super hard. I'm going to do my best. And, and in college, I really learned how to study because I never really did those things in high school. Yeah. And I did a little bit, but not, not like I did in college. So I really applied myself in college and I okay. got good grades. I took my MCAT and I did really well in my MCAT. And I was like, okay, I, I can do this. Okay. Well, yeah. so hold on. You're, so you're telling me like, as a, a, a you know, obviously you went, I mean, you did really well in college. I, I, I'm going to talk about that. Okay. Yeah. But like in high school, you, you, you felt I wasn't, like I was like a B student. Like what? I was probably like A and B. Yeah. Like very occasional C. Like maybe I don't know, like three or four C's total in high school. I was, I wasn't even top ten percent to give you an idea. Interesting. Yeah. So I wasn't even top ten percent. And what my year was this? Did you graduate? Two thousand and one. Okay. All um, right. So in in elementary school and middle school, I was I was in the gifted and talented program. Yeah. You know, you, in Corpus they have this program. You go to this one elementary school and. And then you go to a particular uh, middle school and it's all the gift, 
quote unquote gifted and talented children. I, I think I took like an exam in, in, as a kindergartner. Yeah. And I was selected to be a part of this group. So I was always kind of surrounded by very smart, you know, individuals and, you know, they would do better than me in school. But I, you know, I didn't really think too much about it because I was like, oh, I'm not really trying, but I can kind of just get by. And mm. I was more focused on playing outside and playing sports. Were you a sports guy? Yeah. I love okay. playing sports yeah. growing up. Yeah. Mm. What was your sport? Um, so soccer initially, and then I really got into basketball. Okay. You were a hooper. Yeah. I love okay. playing basketball. To this day, do you still play? No. At lifetime? I, yeah. I wish. I, I, I see those guys playing. I definitely could not keep up with them now uh but uh i don't want to hurt i, I can't afford can't getting get injured <laughs> you can't get it. i'm the same way yeah. i was a hooper too but yeah. I, I got hurt all the time i can't afford it jam yeah. finger would cripple me for you know if, and i have surgeries planned out for you know a, you know a month month and a half and to, yeah. if i had a, a dislocation or a broken finger that would really put me out of commission so yeah. and it upset a few clients yeah oh, just man a few. you know <laughs> yeah just so many people counting on me and i want to disappoint them so right. I, I don't take that chance but yeah, I okay. do. I literally love sport. So you were a sports guy. So so I'm I, I'm curious too because obviously you knew that you had capability. Like you, I mean, I'm sure you kind of realized you're probably you're smart, right? I mean, you probably knew that. Hey, but what made you flip the switch to go when I get to college? Like what what flipped the switch? What was it? Was it? You know, was it was it like you said it was you know we're not weren't sure if it was a book or if it, did you have any family that were doctors anybody? No, no. I uh, so in my immediate family, I'm the first to go to college. My parents, you know, they took a couple of classes uh, in the community college, but no, no, you know, formal university graduates in, in my uh, family. So uh, it was kind of a new a new frontier, so okay. to speak, for us. And and my parents always just supported me. You know, whatever I wanted to do, they, they weren't like super strict about things, but they, you know, would help me with homework, my mom especially. Yeah. Um, and my mom's a very smart lady, so I kind of, you know, she would help me a lot with those types of things. Yeah. But uh, I think it was just more, I wanted to be a successful person mm. and I wanted to achieve. And I was like, the only way to really do that is you have to apply yourself. You know, life's not going to be handed to you. And man, that lesson has been <laughs> given to me multiple, multiple times yes. uh, in, in my lifetime. I'm sure in yours as well. For sure. Uh, for any, anybody that's accomplished anything, they, they know those things that uh, you have to really work hard to, to get somewhere. So I, I kind of realized that and I was like, I just don't want to leave anything on the table. I'm just going to give it my all. Oh, so, so t talk to me about your, you're at Pan American, Texas yep. Pan American, yeah, UT right? Pan American. Now UTRGV now, they changed oh, the name. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Rio Grande? Is it yeah, the RGV? Yeah. Yeah. Rio, ah, yeah, Rio Grande Valley. Valley. Yeah. Okay. They changed the name. But That's kind of cool. I, yeah. I, so my, <laughs> one of my good friends called me up. I was in res residency. I had no idea what was going on in this side of the country. And he's like, hey man, your, your school doesn't exist anymore. I'm like, what are you talking about? I was like, yeah, it's UTRGV now. And I'm like, what? So <laughs> you have I, to give back that diploma. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's like, you got to change. He's, you know, giving me a hard time. He's an A&M guy. So he's giving me a hard time about. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. But uh, yeah. So. So you walk on campus yeah. and, and you've got this new mindset, right? Like yeah. you, you, there was this idea of you want to be successful. So tell me, you said you learned how to study. I did. So yeah. tell me about that, that journey. So my, I, you know, I just kind of came up with this on my own. My approach to this was I would go to, I, you know, wake up, I took all morning classes. Um, my approach was go to class, pay attention, sit in the front, come home, you know, work out, have dinner and then study what you just learned that day. Mm. So that was my approach. And I took that on to med school. And it got me through med school as well. So uh, in college, I kind of had the beginnings of learning how to study and like yeah. what worked for me. Yeah. And everybody has their own way of, of, of doing things. But for me, I like wrote in my textbooks you know, back when people actually used textbooks yeah. instead of like a tablet. But I would like write in the margin, highlight, you know, I, I got organized of how my approach to studying mm. and it helped organize the information in my brain. I love it. Yeah. So that it gave me the foundation for studying in college. But then when I got to med school, I took that even further. And okay. Yeah, so, you, you up leveled it. Oh my gosh, man. When I, so I went going from college to med school, I was super nervous. You know, I went to, I went to Baylor College of Medicine, yeah. a pretty prestigious med school. Big, yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. When we went, when I was going there, it was like top 10 med schools in the country, you know, hard to get into small, you know, smaller type classes we had 169 students in my class as opposed to like the big ut type mm -hmm. schools where they have 200 plus students okay um but the analogy that was given to me is like college is like drinking from a water hose med school is like drinking from a fire hydrant like the amount of information that's thrown at you so i was like super nervous and and i remember my first the orientation day um people you know we were kind of introducing ourselves to to the class and yeah. everybody standing up like oh, i you know went to harvard or i went to yale and all these ivy league schools and i'm like i went to ut pan am you know i'm trying to introduce myself i'm like man how am i going to compete with these individuals who are 
quote unquote Ivy League graduates, but um, you know, very soon after our first uh, few uh, exams, and I scored really well on the exams. I'm like, okay, yeah. I can keep up with these people. I'm just as yeah. smart as they are. And uh, so, and it was my. I think I, I, I attributed it to my study and my study habits, my work ethic that really got me there. Because I had ki- I, that's killer, killer. I mean, I had friends that were super smart and hardly studied and were very laid back, and they you know still did exceedingly well in their exams. But I had to like work. Yeah. And it just, you know, it worked out. So, so, so you graduate college with, uh, summa cum laude, mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and then honors, mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. So t- you still felt a little bit of like, of like that imposter. Did you feel that a little bit when you were uh, yeah, there in the beginning I, at Baylor? Yeah. And I think that, I think that feeling of, you know, the, the imposters yeah. are a good way to describe yeah. that. Uh, I, I kind of always had that even in residency huh. and in, in coming out as an attending and, and practicing, you always have that little bit of like feeling. I don't have that feeling anymore, by the way. Of course. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but I always had a little bit of that feeling of like, can I really do this? Yeah. You know, am I, am I really capable? And as you have more experience and you have, you know, um, accomplishments come under your belt and you're like, yeah. I can't do this. And, yeah. you know, so you get that affirmation of, of you, that you, your skill sets and education and background and all those other things, you're, you're capable. You're capable. What would you tell, like, like, you know, you've got, you've got, uh, my son is about to start eighth grade, right? Mm-hmm. I've got a 14 mm-hmm. year old. And, and, and if you were to go back and, and tell your high school self, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like, Hey, if I had known this, you know, get, get preparing for what you were about to go on, your 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 medical school, everything, mm. like what would you tell your high school self that you would want all high school, middle school kids to know right now, like about their schooling and about work? Uh, for the schooling, I think independent learning is important. Okay. I think, so like I was able to get by in school because I was essentially kind of spoon fed, you know, like in high school you have teachers. I, I was fortunate that I had good teachers also, yeah. you know, and from elementary, you know, through, through high school, I was surrounded by, by teachers that were good. I took the AP classes. So I was also surrounded by smart individuals. Um, and in in I think this is a function of like the the public education system. There's a lot of spoon spoon feeding yeah. of education, but I think I would have had an easier time learning how to how to learning how to learn if I had started that process in high school mm. and learned how to do independent learning. You know, reading the textbook, taking notes, teaching myself. You know, mm. things. Um, for very challenging things, I, I sought people. I wasn't afraid to go to like a, a tutor in, in college. There was a, a great tutor at UT Pan Am. His name was Mike Heat. Okay. Awesome dude. Shout out to yeah, Mike Heat. Yeah, I have yes. no idea if he's still there, but he was awesome, man. I had a really good experience with him. He would help us with our physics and like kind of complex things, yeah. organic chemistry, just smart dude, but had a, a knack of like making concepts easy to grasp mm, or e- cool. easier to grasp because right. they're not particularly easy, but easier to grasp right. uh, for students. So uh, when I actually got further on in my training, I, I was also, I started tutoring uh, in chemistry and things. Okay. But um, I think starting with the foundation of learning how to do independent learning in high school is makes the transition to college easier. So, so talk. Like, I'm going to take it a little deeper. So, when you say independent learning, do you like go a little deeper with that? What do you mean by that? For like, because again, I'm looking, thinking about my son, right? Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about all yeah. his buddies in the school, yeah. or as he transitions in the high school. Yeah. So, what does that look like? For me, it was you know reading the textbook and interpreting the textbook in my own brain and processing it and having it make sense in my mind. Mm. So like you know as an example, you know you, you if for physics because physics is tough stuff or math or math for example, um, you, you, when you're in school and the teacher does it and you're watching them work through a problem, you're like oh that's easy I can do that. But when you go home and you're working through the problems, particularly actually math, I think probably math is you know the, they say it's the purest science and you know it, it is because it's absolute, yeah. but. Uh, I would, there was like calculus problems where I would like try to work through. And I remember in college working through this calculus problem that I could not get, I could not get. I woke up in the middle of the night. I like dreamt the solution. I woke up, I had to like write it down on my notepad. I'm like, I figured out how to do this. I figured out what I was doing wrong. Yeah. Cause I was like, you know, thinking about it. Yeah. But that's like the, the independent learning that like, even though I'm not going to use calculus, it's teaching my brain how to think yeah. and how to problem solve and how to like reason and things. So even though like, you know, 
you, you know, calculus or all those other things that you're not going to use in everyday life, they're still important to know and because they're going to be useful at some point in the future and your problem solving abilities that you need. 100%. And, and I look, you know, it's interesting you say the independent part because there would be times where my son will, will, he'll be thinking about something and he'll start like asking questions. Mm-hmm. Well, what about this? You mm-hmm. know, one, for one period of time, it was drop shipping. It's like, how do I drop ship? <laughs> He's like, Dad, I want to make some money. I was like, but why do you want to make money? Like, well, you know what I mean? Like, what's the purpose? Anyways, but you, but, but the independent part that I'm hearing from you is, you seeking on your own mm-hmm. to 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 make the information and synthesize it for yourself. Absolutely. Yep. Don't just rely on what the teacher's saying in their notes. Go synthesize and gather that information mm-hmm. and then synthesize it for what it means to you. Is that what I hear you saying? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I love that. Mm-hmm. I love that. So then talk about, was that what you started doing in medical school? Yeah. Is that how you up-leveled your studying from the, you know, from, you know, you had your routine. Mm-hmm. Is that how you started to do that when you got to Baylor? Um, so it, when I got to Baylor, that I think that process was already established. What, was, what changed for me is that, like, uh, going home and studying went up to the nth degree. Okay. So for, I'll tell you what my, my approach to med school studying was. Go to lectures in the morning, reread the notes that I was just given, and so every day you got a ton of information, right? So every day was from eight to noon, uh, it was classes and in the afternoon you had off to study. So eight to noon classes, have lunch, independent study, workout, and in, finished independent study and all the information that we reviewed from that day. So how many pages would you say you got in notes like oh in, a, in a day? Um, Oh man, it'd be hard to quantify. Like 200, 100 a day? Probably like 150. 150 a day. Yeah. And then <laughs> oh, you, you, so you're rereading, you know, and the notes that are given, you're, you're watching this lecture. And man, I had awesome, awesome uh, professors at Baylor, yeah. like fantastic people, super passionate about what they were doing. And so you had these f- fantastic lectures. I would review my notes that I took during lecture, review the notes that were given to me each day. Yeah. And at the end of the week, and so the, at the end of the week, Saturday and Sunday, I reviewed everything from that week. So then when it came time for testing, I reread everything. So we did six week blocks. I I reread all my notes and all the notes that that were given to me for that six week period. So by the time it came to test time, I had seen that information four or five times. I saw it once when the lecture was given to me. I saw it again that evening. I saw it a third time at the end of the week. And then a fourth time when I reviewed everything and like see that repetition and having it like solidify my brain, having it make sense in my brain. Yeah is how I was able to do well in the exams. And, 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 and how well was Baylor? How well did Baylor go in comparison to to uh, uh, Pan, uh, uh, Texas Pan Am? How did uh, I think equally well. So yeah. I was, you know, I was in the top, uh, probably I think 10% in my class at, yeah. at Baylor College of Medicine. And uh, I scored really well. I scored in the 99 percentile on wow. the step one. So the so in from college to med school, you take the MCAT to get in. Yeah. And from med school into residency, you take something called your step one exam, USL, USMLE okay. step one. Okay. And in that exam, I scored in the 99 percentile, which wow. was, I, I so when I, in med school, I found out I wanted to be a plastic surgeon and plastic surgery was like, one of the hardest residencies to get into. You have to score really well in your exams. You have to do really well in your clinicals and all those things. You have to have good letters of recommendation. So I knew if I didn't score really well in this exam, there was no way I was going to get into plastic surgery. Yeah. And I, I did really, really well on it. So I was really proud of that. And that helped me get into the plastic surgery. So, field. so how, why plastic surgery? What, what, what happened during medical school that you got? You were like, yeah, this is what I want to do. So, I had a feeling that I wanted to go into plastics uh, in my undergrad. I did a a summer program at UTMB, and it was uh, a summer program to help you prepare for the MCAT. Actually, okay. So, you would go in the summer and you would take classes uh, to prepare for the MCAT. And in addition to that, you got a chance to shadow a, a sur- shadow a physician. Mm, and okay. It, so it was interesting. It, it, most of my my friends, um, they got linked up with like primary care physicians, pediatricians, and trauma. For whatever reason, I got assigned to a plastic surgeon, which is probably rare. It was it was really rare. Yeah, I, they were like, "How did you get a plastic surgeon?" I'm like, "I don't know." That's who they and I, I didn't even really. That was that was fate. It was fate. <laughs> I, it was Dr. Michael Obang, uh, wherever he is. I he, yeah. was, he was a resident at the time. But it was really interesting. So I get this assignment to go to meet with Dr. Obey. Oh, so he wasn't finished yet. He was still he in was residency. A resident. He, was a, he was a third year resident. Wow. 
Yeah, so he was a third year resident at UTMB. Okay. And um, so I get his pager number, I reach out to him, and uh, he has like a really deep voice, and he's like, you know, I'm Dr. Obang, uh, meet me um, on the fourth floor or whatever. So I, I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll you know meet him there. I got there early, I'm there waiting yeah. for him, and I'm waiting for this, I'm expecting this like older gentleman to come up. I didn't know, no idea what he looks like. Yeah. And uh, Dr. Obang comes, and he's like this, he's a young guy, tall guy, and he comes, and he's like, hey, I'm Dr. Obang. I'm like, oh, hey, how you doing? And he's like, let's go get some lunch. So we go down to the cafeteria and we get, I remember, I remember this distinctly. We had like, I think I had like a fish and like cream spinach yeah. and, and it, I just ordered what he ordered. So I'm having lunch with him and he's like, okay, let's go, uh, let's go to surgery. And I'm like, immediately my hands like start sweating. Wait, wait, like, wait, 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 You're having fish with this guy. Yeah, yeah. And then he goes, let's go into surgery. Yeah. He's like, come, we're going to go see surgery. You're going to come watch. You're going to shadow. Oh, and I'm wow. like, oh my gosh, I just had this huge meal. I've never like seen blood really before, you know? I've never seen a surgery. You were in college at this point. I was in college. Yeah, yeah, I never yeah, yeah, had yeah. Any, any, any experience aside from like, you know, working the front desk at T Texas Children's Hospital right. or shadowing my pediatrician. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what if I throw up, you yeah. know, or pass out? I was like super nervous about it. But uh, we go and I watch him do a surgery. It was actually on a person who had this really extensive uh, basal cell carcinoma on their face. And he had to like cut off half this person's face and they, they did a reconstruction. And it was the coolest thing I'd ever seen. Like seeing them operate, how everything flowed. Like they're just like, it was like watching like a, a violinist, you know, perform or something, you know, just like this virtuoso type, or to me it seemed that yeah. way. Um, and it was just like, man, this is so cool. And wow. I didn't have the feeling of like nausea or feeling, I was just like enthralled with what I was watching. Okay, wow. Like your first, your first, uh, surgery room experience yeah. is is plastics yeah again super rare super rare yeah and then you see him basically remove they, it was a it was a tumor yep yep skin cancer was it underneath or was it skin cancer it was skin cancer is a, a person a homeless individual who let this uh, so basal cell is typically pretty indolent if you catch it early it's very treatable yeah. this person didn't have you know, access to medical care, let this go on for a period of time, yeah. finally sought care when it was beyond, you know, what could be easily treated. So yeah. they had to have a very extensive surgery and a very extensive reconstruction. Um, but, uh, I, you know, I didn't know any of these things at the time. I'm just like watching this person yeah. cut on this person's face. Um, uh, but yeah, that was my first exposure wow. to it. So after that, I was like, man, I like being in the OR. Yeah. Plastic surgery is cool. That's what I want to do. So, so when I went to med school, I'm like, I have this idea. This is what I want to do. Yeah. And then in med school, I, I really enjoyed med school. I loved yeah. learning about everything. Yeah. I loved learning about the physiology, the heart, the lungs, the kidneys, yeah. all those things were super interesting to me that, you know, neuroscience was very interesting. Yeah. Uh, allergy and immunology, I, I still find fascinating, um, but it being in the OR was like, uh, I, I got to be in the OR. I like working my hands. You want to be sur doing yeah. surgery. I want to do surgery. Yeah. yeah. So what, did you get to do any other experiments? Uh, not experiments, but experiences with him in surgery? Yeah. So all summer I shadowed him. We got to see vascular surgery. I saw cleft lip and palate surgery, burn surgeries. Wow. Um, I wasn't like scrubbed in or anything. I was just kind of a fly on the wall, but yeah. I was observing. Right. And that was, that was my first exposure. While you were in college mm -hmm. your senior year was this your senior it year was, or probably earlier it was earlier it was like a sophomore to junior oh, see, probably you're 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 got to be what 20 years old yeah i was probably 21? like 19 20 yeah how crazy of a cool experience is yeah. that yeah it was that could that i could see now that that i could see how that would want to push you in that I, that makes total sense yeah total sense okay so fast forward you go you're you're at your you go through res oh, no you start you graduate from baylor mm -hmm. where was your first residency in pennsylvania pennsylvania yeah, i did okay. six, six years of training in pennsylvania what was the city uh, in allentown pennsylvania. allentown okay yep. yes mm -hmm. yes and then how was how was residency Tough man. That's yeah. like that's like a trial by fire. Is it is it really like Grey's Anatomy? I mean, I, come on. I didn't really watch Grey's Anatomy, so I can't, I can't tell you. <laughs> Does everybody ask you? That? <laughs> they they did, and like so, they would always ask like one of my one of my co residents would always say, yeah, it's kind of like Grey's Anatomy, uh, but with way less sex. You know? Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> no, yes. Nobody's hooking up in the call rooms, oh. or maybe or maybe they were. I wasn't. You know, I was like that's working hilarious. too much. But uh, it's uh, you know, you we'd get to the hospital at five thirty, we'd round you. You do surgeries, you know, as an intern, you don't really doing too many surgeries, but you're rounding, you're taking care of patients. You're occasionally going to the operating room, but you're mostly just taking care of patients. Yeah. You rounding in the evening time, you're running the list with the team to make sure all the orders are taken care of, labs mm. are followed up on, patients are tucked in, nurses are, t are tucked in, yeah. and then you're leaving the hospital and it's like 7.30. And so you're 5.30, 7.30, wow. then you have to like go home. You're, Five days a week? 
oh yeah. And then sometimes, so then you go home, you eat dinner, then you're studying because you have a lecture the following morning. So you have to like prepare for your lecture because you're going to get asked questions and embarrassed if you don't have the answers to these questions. Are you teaching it or they, no, you're, no, you're, they're, they're, okay. Yeah. yeah so okay. usually the chief residents or one of the attendings is covering a topic and you have to get there. So you round at 530, then you go to lecture 530 in the morning. Then you could go to lecture from six to usually 645. You're at lecture um, and you're getting asked questions. And usually the interns are getting picked on because we're the most junior person. Yep. And they kind of use the Socratic method where like the senior person's asking questions and you kind of have to perform, so to speak. Yeah. And if you're not read on the topic or you didn't study the night before, you're too tired. I would all, I mean, it was very commonplace for me to fall asleep with like my textbook on my, just, I'm just so tired, man. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, that was Monday through Friday, but you would take call two days, uh, two weekends a month you would work. Okay. So you work a regular day Friday, you'd be on call Friday night into Friday morning, and then you would round Friday morning until noon. So okay. you're up from Friday 5.30 until Saturday at noon. Oh my god! You know, that, and there's like, as an intern in the second year, in surgery especially, you're not napping. I, I never, I saw the call room. I was never like, I was taking care of patients, wow. taking care of issues, responding to traumas, seeing patients in the ER, super busy. Yeah. So like residency is tough, man. Like, and that's like the, especially surgery. I think any residency is tough, particularly yeah. surgery residencies. Yeah. It's really, you, you have to really want that yeah. and, and have an understanding of what you're getting yourself into, which I did. You know, I had done my surgery yeah. rotations. I knew what surgery was like, but I just knew yeah. it to me, it was like so worth it. Like, I know this is painful now, but it's going to be so worth it doing what I want to do and what I'm passionate about. Because when I was in the OR, time just flew by. I would start a case, when I got to plastic surgery training, I would start my case at like 7.30 and we'd leave at like 7 p.m., 8 p.m. doing these really long surgeries. And the day would just fly by because I was just so interested in what I was doing and it wasn't, it didn't seem like work it's to me. It's not work. Yeah, it's just like, this is awesome. Even though I was like tired and it was hard and I was hungry and I lost tons of weight and, and residency and fellowship, uh, it was like worth it to me. Did you get to work out during that time? What's working uh, out look like in residency? Probably uh, nothing. You, well, you I, you try to just yeah. to try to maintain you know some short sort of uh, health because uh, the surgeries are tough. It's like physically taxing on you, and if you don't maintain physical health, it's going to be even harder. So Interesting. I I tried to I tried to work out. You know, so many of uh, my colleagues have had like neck surgeries or back surgeries and and things uh, from just not having good core strength. So I always worked on my core. Oh, interesting. Because of the the leaning over process exactly. and your hands you're, down you're, you're like this you know for for the surgeries that i do um these we call microsurgery free free flaps um they're eight eight to ten hours and you're leaning over you know your tension's focused down and you're standing in like a you know two foot by two foot square for six to eight hours and that's you're not moving you're not sitting down really uh, you're standing most of the time and you don't eat during that time it's it's Six to seven hours straight? Yeah. So sometimes we, t we were able to take a quick break. Usually it's like, a, I usually take a 10, 15 minute break, go okay. to the bathroom, drink some water, put, yeah. some, some, put something in my stomach. In yeah. fellowship, I didn't take breaks. And that was like really hard <laughs> on my system because I would have breakfast at like super early, 5.30 in the morning round, do a 12 hour, 14 hour surgery, yeah. come home too tired to cook or do anything. So I'm like eating cereal and eggs usually. Yeah. And yeah. At, by the end of fellowship, I think I weighed 137 pounds. I was like, Goodness. Yeah, I had I was like super trim, man. Yeah, yeah I was at my fighting months. my fighting weight, You're I guess. Fighting <laughs> weight. That's yeah, right. but I didn't have any muscle either. So I was just like super wow. trim. Yeah. So of that experience, if you look back on residency, I always, you know, you during during that period of time, like what did you learn about yourself? Um <laughs> I just used this example with my uh, PA recently. I, I knew what I could do. Like when you don't know you don't know what you're capable of until you're put in that situation, right? Mm -hmm. So like, that's why like military military training is so hard. Like you think of like the Navy SEALs, mm -hmm. they do like their hell week and they do their hardcore training. They're put in like extreme situations, but now they know that they can, they can function or they can perform at that level. Yeah. So I knew like, I can do this when I'm tired. I can do these really hard things. And I have this bar that has been set of what I'm capable of handling stress-wise, physical-wise, all those things. Mm -hmm. The bar has been set. Right. And I've done these really hard surgeries. I've done them sick. I've done them not feeling well, not my best, tired, where I've been up all night and still have to perform the next day. The bar has been set. I know what pain is and I know I can function at that level of pain. So, which is cool. Yeah, it is cool. It's like, you know, trial by fire. I've been, yeah. you're, you're forging yourself, you know, you're forging yourself in, in these experiences. And it, that if you have an easy life, then I don't know. I like it. I, yeah. I think being forged is cool. Yeah, no, I mean, 100%, right? Yeah. Like what, 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 what the alternative would be 
really boring. Yeah. Right? Like not boring being and forged. Weak. Boring and weak. Yeah, and you just kind of <laughs> be there, right? Like you're yeah. just there. You're just, yeah. you're taking up space, but you're not truly diving into your purpose and what you you could be doing yeah you know mm-hmm. okay so you at one point you do this mission trip i saw you went to haiti yeah in 2015 yeah talk about haiti because that was that was that during residency your last year yeah so during residency it was just before my chief year um i had so as you in residency you get kind of graduated levels of of um responsibility and your training you you become um, more specialized in kind of what you want to do. And so in my, my, by my chief year, I kind of knew I wanted to go into microsurgery. Um, but I also had experiences doing cleft lip and palate. So the trip to Haiti was to get, uh, more experience in cleft lip and palate and learn and be able to offer, uh, help to people who don't have access to this type Mm. of care in Haiti. So there was a group of physicians, the physician that was our sponsoring physician was out of Miami. And so we went with his team and my program director, Dr. Murphy, uh, had a connection with this individual and we put together a team. It was me and a couple of other residents and a couple other attendings. And we went and helped these, these children, these families that didn't have access to to care so we did a lot of cleft lip and palates over a period of a couple of days and it was it was a really cool experience mm. you know helping these people these people were so nice very thankful and it was interesting seeing Haiti you know the the wealth disparities between you know the the have and the have nots mm. there is is pretty atrocious and uh, these people don't have a lot of access to to healthcare and to resources, period. So let alone surgery. Let alone, let alone surgery. surgery yeah. Just the basics. Yeah, basics. Right? So it's uh, it was interesting. And mm. while our last day there, um, the a riot actually happened. There, there was like a change in the gas prices. And I remember we were going, we were actually gonna go to the clinic and we're driving down one of the main uh, thoroughfares there to go to the clinic. And we're in like this land cruiser, this kind of military style land cruiser. All, all of our escorts had like military style weapons. Mm-hmm. And in the place that we stayed, there was like military type guards with like fully automatic type weapons mm. standing guard over the area. And it's like, oh, this kind of makes us a little uneasy. But yeah. we were assured everything was safe. And it was, it was, it yeah. was, you know, I didn't have any bad experience except for this riot. So we're driving down the street and uh, we see all these cars like coming the wrong way on the, it was a one way road driving the wrong way. And I'm like, what's going on? And our driver is still persisting going in the same direction. I'm like, Hey, you know, everybody else is going the wrong way. Should we turn around? Like what's going on? And then we get to the area where the riot was happening. They started throwing rocks at our vehicle and we weren't in like any really serious, hmm. you know, real danger. Cause it was just like rocks, but you know, I was just, it was uncomfortable. Every, every, everybody was like, it was a high tension situation. Yeah. And, and, Cause we're just like, uh, what's going on here. Yeah. And so we turned around and went to, they actually took us to the airport. So. And then the, were y'all done at that time? Were you, that yeah, was the end of it? Yeah, we had this like one thing. We weren't doing any surgeries that day. It was kind of like a, a checkout type thing. Mm-hmm. But we just like aborted and just like things were too unstable. So yeah. we just went to the airport. So so looking back on that trip, what do you what, what what was the big learning experience for you on that trip? Just being able to do that and being able to serve in that way. Yeah, so I, I really enjoyed... Um, you know, helping people in that way, people didn't have access to that type of care. But it was kind of eye-opening seeing what a how other people live. I never, yeah. I never experienced anything like that before. Had you I ever never, been outside? The, you've been outside of the U.S.? I had been outside of the U.S., yeah. but to like really developed areas. I'd never been into an area okay. that wasn't like developed like yeah. that. So that was very different experience for me and seeing that and, and, and seeing just like, man, people are, are nice, you know, there's just like, they have good hearts here. Mm. So that was cool. Interesting. So now you are in San Antonio. Been been in San Antonio now? How long? How long have you been living in Seven San Antonio? Years. Yeah, Seven I years. Yeah, lived here in 2016. Started your practice. You've been in plastics now since what? 2016. 2016. Yeah. And so now you start your practice on yeah, your own. Yeah. So talk about that process of opening your practice in 2022. You've been doing it since 16, but talk about that practice because we have a lot of entrepreneurs that listen. Yeah. yeah. So I'm always curious to get like hey tell us that that process to get your business off the ground man where do you where do you start <laughs> right with starting a practice uh, there, right. there there is a, a lot uh it's not something that's uh you know unsurmountable you can do it um one of my uncles has has a business in corpus and he told me he's like get a good attorney get a good banker 
and get a good CPA. Those are your foundation to your business. That, that, that's right there. Write that down. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it, a great advice. And, and, they, and that's who has helped me, or those, those uh, people. So I went with a bank. I met with a couple different banks. I went, th- I went with the Bank of San Antonio. I wanted to kind of go bank. local. And the team there has been awesome. Shout out to Maria and yeah. Monica um, and the rest of the team there. Um, so they've been really helpful, helping me secure loans and things and, and getting things um, set up from that standpoint. Um, and then I've, you know, I have a CPA who has worked with physicians and things. Mm-hmm. And so he's been very helpful to me. And then my attorney group, they, they specialize with physicians. So I've kind of leaned on them, uh, in the process, but, uh, it's just, you know, there's so many things I had a schedule that I, you know, every day, as you know, as a business person, I, you know, you have a things you want to accomplish in this week, but you know, 15 other things come up that you didn't anticipate that I didn't even know of. I'm like, okay, now I have to tackle these problems that I didn't even realize were on the table, but I have to take care of them. And it was like that for the first probably four or five months, you know, um, because I I left the the other practice and for in September and then from September until February, I wasn't, you know, quote unquote working, but man, every day I was working, you know, I was working, doing things. And then as I started, you know, I had for everything from like creating a logo to yeah. you know a brand website uh all all of those things um it just takes so much time to do so every night i i was working on these things and also trying to be a family person we were yeah. expecting a new child and yeah. and then moving so we're trying to move the you know the house so yeah, because you packed, you packed a lot in one year. Oh my gosh, man. Yeah. <laughs> hey, but the bar has been set, right? The bar has the been bar set. The bar has been set. That's and, exactly right. Yeah. So I, you know, I was talking to my wife. It's like, this has been, a, you know, we've, we've been married almost a year now. And it's like, it's been, it's felt like 10 years because yeah. of the amount of things we've done in this year. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, we know, her and I know that, you know, what we can, the bar has been set for us of what we can overcome as a family. So. Which is cool. Yeah, it is cool. It's really, really cool. And I and I think that when you go through something like that in a very short period of time, it makes you ten times stronger. Yeah. Kind of like residency, yes, right? Kind of yeah. going through that. It yeah. just it makes you stronger as a couple. You know, my wife and I've been married um, uh, twenty three years. Congratulations. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Yeah. You know, and and when we when we started Luxury Home Magazine, mm-hmm. those first two to three years, you know we're really really tough mm-hmm. because you're you you're trying to build this 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 business from the ground up and you just it just feels like every day you're in it mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. um have you ever read the e myth have you read this book it's no. called the e myth it's it's the entrepreneurial uh, uh myth and it it just it's a basic book about becoming an entrepreneur mm-hmm. and what people like miss is they think that Oh, I'm really good at this. Let me go start this business. Mm. And then they go start the business only to figure out that they just created a job for themselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, I have this job, but wait a minute, I was working over here, but now I'm just, I, and I had a job, and now I'm just working this job over here instead of going, oh, no, no. You've got to build an actual business. Mm-hmm. You've got to make sure that you put systems in place yep. so that the business can run whether you're there or not. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you do that, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And it's it's a, it's a beautiful book. I highly recommend it. And I know that there is aspects and ratios that will connect whether you're a physician, you know, surgeon, whatever the case may be, mm-hmm. right? Because obviously, you've got to do the surgeries. Mm-hmm. But all those other pieces, you can have people that you have a team Absolutely. that you built to take, you know, to yeah. help you. So what do you, what was the, what do you think just coming out of that year, starting this practice, what was the one thing that you did not realize you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I didn't know that. What was it that hit you? For, from residency? Yeah, no, no, no. From, from starting your business. Oh, starting my business. That you didn't realize like now that it's on your own, like that just goes, how did I, how did I not know that? <laughs> I, I guess the, <laughs> the most surprising thing is like invoices. I feel like I'm just overwhelmed with invoices. Like I'm always yeah. like pay, paying something, you know, pay, there's always something coming in. So staying on top of, of those things has been hard, but you know, so the thing that I think, and I kind of knew this, I guess, yeah. but the thing that really, um, Help me understand what it takes to be a good business person. Was I read this book uh, from good from uh, good to great? I think oh, that's called. a good one, Jim yeah. Collins. Yeah, Jim Collins, right? Uh, surround yourself with good people, 
So that was like, you know, I was like, I, you know, I, I can, I know I can do the surgeries. I know I can take good care of my patients, but I was like, okay, I'll, be, I'll hire a team, you know, I'll hire staff and I'll bring a team on. But when I, I read that book and I started really thinking about it, I was like, you know, I really have to surround myself with good people. Man, I have great people. My people are awesome. Uh, good. Yeah. You know, shout out to, to Heather and Rebecca uh, and, and Nicole and, and, and Franny who's been helping us. Um, it's, they are just fantastic. They take really good care of our patients. They, they help me get the systems in place, which you, which you said earlier, having the systems. And, uh, you know, so I'm just like, you know, it's, you know, Dr. Garza plastic surgery, but man, it's the team. It's It's like, yeah. So whenever I talk about the practice, I always say us, I never say, I, I, I never say me or I, it's like us because it's them, you know, it's, it's, it's all of us that, which is critical. Yeah. Which is critical because without the us, you know, if it's yeah. just you, it'd be really difficult. Oh to man, run you can't do what you, you can't. You can't do it. It's impossible. Yeah. yeah, I could technically do these surgeries. I could technically, you know, do the things, but I can't, you know, do run a practice. You can't do it people. all. You can't do it all. Yeah. yeah. So, so now when you when you as a, as a, as a, as you, as you're running your own practice and you see these TV shows because mm-hmm. there's all these plastic surgery oh, yeah, TV yeah. shows, and I don't know why. Whenever I'm on vacation and I'm just turn on the TV, those shows just seem to pop up. I don't know why, but okay. have you have you ever seen any of these shows? No, have you heard about them? Like, I, I, of course, I've heard about them. Heard about I've, I've yeah. never, I never really watched them. Uh, you know, I don't, we have, we only have Netflix and Amazon Prime. So I don't, man. I don't watch uh, a lot of TV. Yeah, we don't have yeah. a lot of time to watch a lot of TV. Yeah, no, there's very, very little time. I, I'm, but I'm always in. Well, here's what I'm intrigued with, right? Like, I'm intrigued with the, you know, as you do this business because you're in plastics. Like, how do you deal with the 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 client that comes in that is like, I don't like this. And, and, and you're from a perspective of obviously it's, it's all, you know, subjective, right? Mm-hmm. They're not liking what they see. Mm-hmm. But as a doctor, you're looking and you're going, this is a beautiful person. Mm-hmm. This person is like, how do you, I've always wondered how do you help them really kind of walk through that? Yeah. Because obviously there are people that are addicted to plastic surgery. Yeah. They're yeah. addicted to that. So how do you walk them through that? Because I know it's like a, it's like a delicate line it is how do you do that as a doctor it's tough it's not something that's really taught it's you know through experiences and you have to be that that type of person to um really hear somebody really listen to to somebody so that's Mm. one thing that we pride ourselves in our practice is really listening to what our patients concerns and, and goals are so um if somebody has a result that you know looks great and they're still like uh you know unhappy thankfully that that's a a somewhat rare occurrence. Um, I just try to point out like the positives and, 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 and show them pictures of before and after so they can see like how, how good things are. Um, I, again, it's, I'm I'll, the other thing is I'm pretty careful in who I operate on. If somebody has, you know, body dysmorphia and things, you know, I'll, I'll tell them like, I don't, I don't think I'm your surgeon, you know, or you, 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 you know, I don't think a surgery is going to help you. Um, because, uh, it can make a situation worse, you know, and then, yeah. and then you've operated on them and maybe they perceive that you've hurt them or they're not happy. And I never want that situation. I always want my right. patient, my patients to have a positive outcome, a positive outlook on what, you know, what we've been able to accomplish. So, um, you have to be careful with the patients that you, uh, you operate on. Um, you know, for my practice, we're essentially 50% reconstruction. I do breast cancer reconstruction and 50% okay. cosmetic. So uh, the breast cancer patients, that's kind of my, my passion is, is breast reconstruction is what I really enjoy doing. Yeah. Um, but they're, they're going through a really hard time in their life. So the, that aspect hasn't been, uh, it doesn't really come up too often with my breast cancer patients. With their aesthetic patients, again, choosing your patient correctly and making sure that the patient is of, uh, they're mentally in the space where they can have a surgery sense. and have a, a positive outlook on that, on that result is, is crucial. That makes total sense. Mm-hmm. Now from the, from the X's and O's of running the business, is there one part of it that you just go, man, this is, I, I enjoy, this is the part that I enjoy the most of the X's and O's of running a business. Ooh, the running on the business. I like making the decisions. Yeah, okay, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Making, yeah, making the decisions is, is you know being in charge of like uh, you know everything. But you know, for the way our approach as as a practice is, we're very team. Actually, we just set up. We're gonna have a team meeting in a, in a few weeks. Yeah. Um, I really rely heavily on Heather and Rebecca 
to help me, uh, help us, you know, make the best decisions for the practice. So yeah. it's not, I don't, I'm not running, you know, ru ruling with an iron fist. It's like really like, Hey, Hey team, I value your opinion. What should we do here? I and, you know, it. we kind of, uh, all collectively make decisions to, to get the practice in the right direction. I love it. Now, everybody always talks about, you know, balancing, obviously, mm -hmm. you know, you have new business, mm -hmm. family, young little ones. Mm -hmm. What is your, what is your, uh, um, hobbies like what are your what how do you kind of break away from the stress of running a business with your family what's uh, the what do you like to do uh lifetime lifetime there you go <laughs> yes. Yes. that's like uh you know it's a time for me to just kind of get out of my headspace of all the things i'm trying to focus on and like uh put myself in uncomfortable you know physical exertion you know and and you, you really can't focus on anything else when you're pushing yourself yeah so you know i try to for me you know i i try to run a mile as as fast as i can i don't i don't do like a lot of long distance running yeah. but i'll just like run a mile as, as quickly as i can and what's your fastest you got up to i uh, like 6 30 i'm not not, Dang. Not, not very fast that's quick i mean it's okay that's you know on the treadmill or outside <laughs> on the treadmill it's like yeah you know, that's not bad yeah i know it's not as fast as you know uh, a, a lot of other people but i'm trying to get faster it's faster than you think yeah. It's a lot faster than you think. That's fast. Yeah, that's a good that's a good mile. Keep going. So yeah. you like to run as fast as you can. Yeah, so I'll do usually a, a mile to kind of like warm up and then I'll lift weights and just try to push myself there. Do okay. pull-ups and push-ups and bench press and squats and I don't know, nothing nothing crazy, you know. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah, if, yeah. You, if you're looking at the video, I'm not like a huge muscly person, but I just try to stay in shape because I want to play sports with my kids when they get older. That's the key. Yeah. Yeah, that's the key. You know, I've got a 14-year-old, so he, he wanted to play basketball last night. Okay. So we went to the basketball <laughs> yeah. court and I was... Teaching them how to defensive slide. You remember? You remember when the coach? Would, yes. You would, you would do yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. Another little shuffle. Of course. I, yeah. I, I had him do. I had him doing machine guns. He's never done machine guns. Remember machine guns where you kind of oh, like you yeah, have to yeah, do your feet yeah. real fast. Yeah. So he's doing machine guns, yeah. and I just have this flashback to like high school basketball. Yeah. And in my mind, I'm just going. I mean, I can't. I can't even begin to remember how many times I did this drill. Where you're there and the coach would blow the whistle and he'd have the ball this way. Yeah, and you're have, running back and, and forth. Yeah, back yeah, and yeah, forth yeah. And you got to keep your feet. But I sat there and I was just thinking about it. It's like, if if I don't take care of my body, like I can't even because I had just finished playing golf. Yeah. So I'd played nine holes of golf and he wants to go to the out to the court to go shoot. And I'm thinking to myself, like, you're in shape. Like you can go. Like I'm fine. I just yeah. played nine holes. It's not yeah. like I walked. I was in yeah. a cart. So yeah. let's go play basketball. So we went to go play. But you're right. You want to have your body in shape to be able to run with them. Yeah. And yeah. you have two little ones, right? I have two little ones. So my my old so Leona's uh, two and a half, and my son just turned uh, five months uh, yesterday. Today's the or two days ago, the thirteenth. That's so cool. Yeah. So I I have uh, one of my cousins. Uh, shout out to Berto. He he uh, plays basketball with his son. You know, his son is like uh, in high school. And and he's still, my, my cousin's a couple of years older than me. He's in his mid forties. And he's and still hooping. He's still hooping, man. He's out there playing with his cousin, but they have this great connection because his son loves hooping. So he's out there and playing with his son. I'm like, man, I want to do that too. Yeah. You know, I want to be able to do those things. And when he's, my, you know, my son's 10, 12 years old, I'm going to be in my fifties. I'm yeah. like, man, I'm going to be able to have to keep up with 30 year old dads, you know, maybe. Yes. So I got to stay in shape. You got to stay in shape. Five, now, five minute mile. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good goal. That's a really good goal. Yeah. Um, talk about uh, your travel. What do you like to do for travel? What do uh, you like to do? So me and my wife love to go scuba diving. Oh, we, yeah. Okay. Yeah, we got scuba certified like maybe four years ago. And we actually got married in Cozumel. Nice. So That's a great place to scuba dive. Yeah. So we've done that a couple of yeah. times. And uh, actually the day of our wedding, my wife was like, you know, getting ready and her mom, her parents were there and stuff. So she had the whole getting herself ready. She's like, go do something you want to do. I'm like, I want to go scuba diving. So the day of my wedding, I went scuba diving that morning. Oh, that's Yeah. Cool. My dad came out and watched me scuba dive. So it was cool. And that's Cozumel's cool. like so beautiful. Did you go deep out or just right off the shore? Did they take you out further? Yeah. So in Cozumel's so cool because, so the resort that we stay at is, um, it's really nice. They have a dive a shop on site. Okay. So yeah. you just like walk out from your like hotel room and you walk out to the pier yeah. and you get all set up there in the little dive shop and the boat takes you off like two miles offshore and just beautiful reefs. It's like a really quick trip. So it's something like mm. 20 minute boat ride from, from the dive shop. Okay. And, um, you know, we're, you know, 30 or 45 feet deep, 60 feet deep, something like that. And you see just awesome stuff at that. That's depth. cool. Yeah. That's cool. I've tried it one time. Yeah. And it freaked me out a little bit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, there was actually a lady, we were, we were on a cruise and there was a lady and she's like, do you want to try? And and they, they, she has the regulator and she has the mask. And so I tried it and it, it, it is a little, it, it feels like you're on another planet. It's exactly, it's exactly what it feels like. It, but that's so bizarre to me because of course, like, how do you stop the thought of 
Something big's right behind me. Is gonna eat. <laughs> like, does that stop? Does that thought ever go away? Um, I think it. I mean, it, it does. For for me, the very first time. So we did our scuba certification uh, here in San Antonio, and it was like, you know, we went to the Kamal River and Canyon Lake and things like that. So we were in murky water, and yeah. you can't really see anything, which is good for your training, actually. Yeah. But when we did our first open water, it was in Cozumel, and okay. our first time, like going, and it was like you're, you've, so you've done it before, right? You're yeah. at the surface. It's like, but super I mean, rough. I've only literally did three feet. Oh, three. Oh, yeah, okay, three like, feet. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I could see. I could stand up. Yeah. How, so at the, when you actually do it out in the open ocean, you're at the surface and the, it's super rough. You know, you jump off the boat and you're getting your little team together and they're like, okay, time to go down. As soon as you go underwater, yeah. it's like calm and you're looking down and like, if you're over a reef, you can like see the reef and you're just like, oh, it's I'm just, already, I'm already getting like anxiety. <laughs> no man, you get this, for me, I got, you know, for me, my wife, got this wave of like calm and you could just, oh. cause it's just like overwhelmed. Like I'm going to see something awesome. Yeah. And then you, you're just like overwhelmed with this different world. And mm. I, I feel sorry for people who don't ever experience that. Cause it's just like, you know, so much of our earth is surrounded in water and I mean, we've only explored a fraction of it if you're landbound, but if you go underwater, you see so much cool stuff. And yeah. we just like really enjoy it. What was the coolest thing you saw when um, you did your Cozumel? So the coolest thing, so in Cozumel, the coolest thing we saw was actually when we went snorkeling, um, yeah. we saw a giant eagle ray, like wings like bigger than this table. Holy and cow. And so I went, I kind of free dove down to like 30, 45 feet and was, uh, actually it was kind of cool. I, I just I snorkeled down there and I was like around the scuba, the scuba divers were there too and that's the furthest I've ever gone down. But anyway, uh, we see this giant eagle ray and it's like so majestic, you know, going off into the distance and then just like disappeared in the blue. Like oh, it was there one cool. second and then you kind of blink your eyes and it's gone. But that was like the coolest thing we that's saw. That's cool. Yeah, that's really cool. So scuba diving, anything else that y'all like um, to travel to? Yeah. So we like uh, we just enjoy traveling. Um, yeah. My wife have been fortunate. We've got a chance to. We've gone to um, Washington. We've gone to Costa Rica. Costa Rica was awesome. Okay. Mostly beach type things. Okay. We uh, like the beach too. Yeah. We we, like, we cruise. That's cruise. our thing. Oh, we love cruise. cruising. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. We love cruising. So mm. books you've read, like like a book that you've. You've read and you give away. What's that one book? Uh, start with why. Oh, Simon Sinek. Sinek, yeah. That's How did a, you hear about that? Uh, one? one of my friends, I think, told me about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, uh, I listened to like a TED talk that he gave it that he gave, yep. and I was like, I got to read his book. And man, what an awesome book! Now, have you seen his The Infinite Game? No, have you I heard about this no, one? No, no. Okay, so he he. And this is perfect for like your, you know, kind of the journey that you're on as you're, you know, building your practice, right? You're starting your practice. Um, he basically talks about how business is the infinite game. Mm. The whole point of it is to keep the game going. Mm -hmm. So like, so like baseball, basketball, they're 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 they're, they're finite games. They, yeah. you know, they they end because mm -hmm. the rule is it has to end. But in business. It doesn't have to end. Like you, you're trying to keep this game going, mm -hmm. right? He goes, but but some people in business they play with the rules of a finite game mm -hmm. and they try to bring it into business. Mm -hmm. And whenever you do that, that actually ruins the game, <laughs> right? Like yeah. because it, the it, you know anytime it's finite, right? You're you're stopping. You're 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 trying to change up the 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 system. Mm -hmm. But businesses are meant to be built and and to keep it to keep the business going. Mm -hmm. How do you do that? Mm -hmm. You'll love the book. Okay, it's yeah. really on really good. Yeah, it's on the list. Yeah, Infinite now. Game. If you like Simon Sinek, uh, yeah, I love uh, it. it. You'll, you'll, you'll really like that. So, well, listen, I'm, I'm so glad you got to come on TM3 Impact. Really appreciate it. If you were to tell any student that's thinking about coming a doctor, like that thought has ever hit them, I maybe I want to be a doctor, what would you tell them? Um, put yourself in a good position to, to succeed. You know, so in high school, try hard, try harder than I did. And you know, I feel like I got lucky <laughs> and then I learned how to study. I really applied, applied myself, but I could have had an easier go if I had had those uh, things established earlier. Um, and just approach life with like a, a eagerness to learn, you know, don't put yourself in a box right away, you know, trying to learn as much as you can. It's going to serve you uh, tremendously in the future. I love that. My man, thank you for being on thank TM3 so much. Impact. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll be seeing you soon at our cover party. Oh, yeah. Be I ready look forward in October. To it. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Great. All right, everybody. Have a great day. Thank you, you too.